0: Hello, welcome to Chapter 3 Podcast, the show for readers of science fiction, fantasy, and romance. This is Season 2, Episode 2. In today's episode, Leanna and I will be discussing the notorious horror novel, House of Leaves by Mark C. Danielewski. Should be an interesting conversation. Uh, If you guys enjoy the podcast, we'd appreciate it if you take a moment to rate and review us so we can continue to reach more listeners. And if you're interested in getting early access to episodes, as well as exclusive bonus content for every episode, consider supporting us on Patreon. Huge thanks to all of our supporting patrons, including our world-expanding patron, Trina. you all make this possible. Liana, we have read House of Leaves. This, this thing is... Um, yeah, here's the proof. <laughs> it is a tome. And I mean, I know you can't see it if you're just listening. But like the amount of tabs and annotations I have in this, I am not normally a person who does tab or annotate books when I read. But in this case, I did.
1: A lot. I don't tab or annotate books when I read and I continue to not do that. With house of leaves.
0: Fair enough. So okay, I don't know where to start with this. This book is is a lot. We should start with kind of what it is for anyone who hasn't read it. Heads up for people listening, there are gonna be spoilers. Although I'll be honest with you, I feel like even if you have spoilers, this book is so much about the experience of reading it. I'm not sure
1: not sure it matters. I mean I would second that. Well, also insofar as uh, spoilers tend to be a plot event, right? That's what is considered a spoiler. And basically the plot events, without being too specific, are known to you kind of at the outset. Yeah. Like not, I mean, most of the specifics keep getting teased, but like you have a kind of sense about what this is going to be about when you go Mm -hmm. into it. So,
0: Yeah, I agree. A lot of it is the puzzle box of it and like the formatting and the
1: the formatting capital t (laughs) capital f
0: it is a trip okay do you want to try to like in a nutshell what is this book about
1: well so okay so i mean even though i just said you kind of know going into it i knew almost nothing going into it because i didn't pick this up having heard of it I picked this up because my patrons picked it for me and I literally had never heard of the name of House of Leaf. So it wasn't like I had heard it discussed. I I knew nothing. Um, And so I mean I knew when I opened it I was like what in the what is this? (laughs) um, (laughs) So I yeah I knew nothing and so then uh, I was like as I was going trying to piece together okay so what is going on here so i kind of had to do that for myself so i think i'm equipped to do it for other people now so essentially Great. uh because there's it's layer it's layer after layer after layer it's like inception it's like bookception yeah. so at the the juicy nugget in the center of this <laughs> inception is Nested that storytelling is like So nested. (laughs) So at the center of this is a uh, real, maybe not real, but a a sort of home movie Blair Witch Project type film Mm -hmm. that this book flip flops on whether or not that really existed. (laughs) Yeah. But so there is this film supposedly. Um, Mm -hmm. And this film was a guy moving into this house and documenting the process of moving into this house and videotaping all of it, and then something going wildly wrong with this house and him again documenting all of that. And so then again, the book flip flops on whether or not any of this is legit, but then there's this film and then there has been supposedly a great deal of scholarship done related to this film, uh, academic theory about this film. So that's the very center. And so then the first layer of the storytelling is supposedly a guy, Zapano, piecing together this narrative about the making of this film and referencing all of those sources from academia. And Mm -hmm. then the third layer is somebody who found Zapano's work and is now notating, annotating it himself with his own commentary about what Zapano did. And there's a fourth layer, which is the editors, and they are commenting upon the commenting upon the commenting of about this film that supposedly did exist depending on whose footnotes you read some footnotes are like this is bs and some footnotes are from Zapano being like this is all real so
0: right yes i mean and then there's the appendices which are
1: (laughs) yeah exhibits
0: and exhibits and exhibits well and i think the other piece of this too is that there are certain things in the book that draw on the real world. And then I didn't expect this, but like sometimes acknowledge in the text that they're drawing on the real world. So it's very trippy. The formatting is weird because it's so the, the deal with the house is there's sort of like endless hallways where there shouldn't be. It's bigger inside than outside. And there's like a labyrinth built into it that I think is maybe supposed to be like, We, I mean, we can get into get into what it is. Where was I going with this when I started? (laughs) This is the problem with this book. It's so easy to lose my train of thought because there's just so many things. I mean, stream um, and- of
1: consciousness is kind of a feature, not a bug <laughs> of this book. So. It's true. It's very true. Oh, just right. I'm being was- very Johnny structure. right now.
0: <laughs> I am. I am. It's true. No, I was going to talk about the structure of the book. So the book mirrors this labyrinth at times, not just with all of the footnotes, but with the way that the words are sometimes set up on the page, the way that the footnotes are set up on the page. So you'll have like a footnote that is upside down or backwards, or you have to read it in a mirror, or it goes around in circles, or it's like, Shaped like a ladder, or all of these different things. Different fonts are used for different people, and the which fonts are used has meaning. There's a lot, so this book is like a puzzle within a puzzle within a puzzle. (laughs) It may or may not mean anything.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, well, the only thing that it will ever mean is like what the author himself decided it might mean. So, like in terms of looking for deeper meaning, it's as deep as the author wanted to make it.
0: Maybe, or it's as deep or as do you believe the, the reader makes it. Really <laughs> I don't Okay, but there are people to... who are. There's people who like genuinely think this is a real thing. Oh, God. So... <laughs> I mean, there's a whole, there's rabbit holes. I mean, well, like,
1: do they believe that Stephen King and Anne Rice really said <laughs> what they said about the Navidson record?
0: <laughs> Who knows? Maybe. I mean, people believe all kinds of things these days, Leanna. This True. Is by far not the weirdest. I, okay, so one thing that I found, because I, I, when I read this book, I went kind of hardcore with it.
1: You researching did researching
0: stuff, I did. I have for anybody who's interested because we're not going to get into all of this here, but like if anyone who's interested in seeing a deep dive, I do have a vlog on my main channel that's like an hour and a half long <laughs> where I get into a lot of of the stuff. But one thing I didn't say in the vlog that I will say here that I noticed at the end of the book in one of the exhibits that's kind of interesting. Okay, let me find it
1: Well, so then did you look at the exhibits as you went or only at the end?
0: it varied like if if something was noted in the footnotes i would read it and then um but some stuff i read at the end one thing that i noticed that i thought was interesting because i am so extra i like did so much work on this like breaking codes and figuring out translations of things i mean like look <laughs>
1: what your face <laughs> I just I mean on principle the contrarian in me absolutely <laughs> refuses to do any outside research on this book cuz I'm like sir if that is what is required for this book I refuse. I mean
0: honestly that is kind of what's required for it and so like if you don't like that you're not yeah I mean I mean I mean you could t- read it without it but like
1: I'm not the kind of person that will ever be super keen on that but like mm-hmm. if it's a case where there is added enjoyment from doing Mm -hmm. that i'm like well i might i might dip into that but if it's like the only way to enjoy something i'm like absolutely not (laughs) i refuse
0: oh man i like i like this kind of stuff so i i kind of did this anyway so page 550 which is there's like photographs of stuff there is a quote that is uh latin and it's translated to something along the lines of change the name and the jokes on you or the stories about you. And like, based on the context, when I Googled this, cause it's a, it's a phrase used by some, some authors, like you could interpret that as the author sort of saying like, this whole thing is a joke. That's just about the reader.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I guess like there's so many different, you know responses to this book, uh, and it's it's polarizing. I think that's fair to say, yeah, because it's it's so out there. Um, yeah, I mean, one say one thing for House of Leaves, say it leans into being whatever the f it is, hundred percent, hundred percent. Surprisingly, I'm in the middle on this. I'm usually the kind of person that feels very strongly about things, but mm-hmm. I feel like. I think there's an argument to be made for brilliance and an argument to be made for smug, self-satisfied self like masturbatoriness. Masterbra- yeah. Cause I think there's a bit of both because I think to be, yeah. to write this there, you have to be quite dedicated and quite intelligent to do this. But I also think there is a part of it that's like, cause people are like, he just did it for the love of it. And I'm like, I mean, he kind of did it to show off. Like there's, there's some of that where I'm like, eh. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's,
0: Incredibly pretentious. It does not try at all to make itself accessible to the average reader, whatever that means. No, I agree. I mean, and, and that's not all a bad thing. I mean, I I like that sort of thing and enjoyed it. But if that is a criticism people have that it's pretentious, that's
1: completely valid. So interestingly, I mean, I feel like I have probably incorrectly used the word pretension. Uh, but anyway, I saw somebody slayed for using the word pretentious uh, in in relation to this book because while well, i didn't do any diving into the actual co- content of the book i certainly looked up reviews after i was like so what are people saying about this so i saw you know a review that was saying you know oh one star this was so pretentious blah 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 and i didn't entirely agree with that review but i was like i mean to a degree and then mm-hmm. a big fan um attacked but also that big fan i was like oh that's actually an interesting distinction that for future reference for myself just outside of the context of House of Leaves, I want to note for myself that pretension in essentially doesn't mean that something is highly academic or difficult to understand. Pretentious Mm -hmm. means that it aspires to be that but is ultimately empty, that it is a facade and it has nothing, no basis for it. So like it is putting on airs, but unjustifiably. So if if someone's accusing House of Leaves of doing that, I mean, insofar as this is all fiction, Then I would Mm -hmm. say it's pretentious, but insofar as he did actually, like, there's a lot of, you have to be pretty smart and pretty well read to put this thing together. So in that sense, I don't think it's fair necessarily if we're using, like, the correct definition of pretension (laughs) to give it that label, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess I have mixed feelings on it because I do, I like, I think on the one hand I see an argument for what you're saying, but at the same time the fact that the book is so open ended, doesn't give you clear answers and does it intentionally and intentionally gives you evidence that multiple things could be correct. Like, does that not mean that it is somewhat empty and putting on airs for the sake of putting on airs, even if it requires like intelligence to do it? I mean, I enjoyed it. But like, I do think there's an argument for saying it's pretentious.
1: (laughs) Right, which is why I was like, I mean, it's, I noted that distinction on what pretension means because I was like, oh, I think I do sometimes use it incorrectly. Yeah, Um, yeah. But also I was like, that's interesting to now having that (laughs) definition of pretension. Do I think this is pretentious? And I'm like, a bit of yes, a bit of no. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I mean, like usually the way, you know, with that definition of pretension, I tend to think of something that doesn't require any intelligence and is only somebody putting on airs on – Undeservedly, sure. and I mean, again, this this does require intelligence on the part of the writer and intelligence on, and patience on the part of the reader. Mm-hmm. So, from that perspective, it's not pretentious. But again, insofar as the your hunt for meaning may be intentionally fruitless. Like, the point is that there is no point, I guess. (laughs) But then if the point was that there is no point, then it's not empty, because the point of it was that there is no point. (laughs) Uh, But
0: it's like, but doing it by forcing the reader to put in such amounts of effort, I mean
1: you know what it feels like it feels like um in you know multiple fantasy books the one that obviously comes to mind for me mm-hmm. is name of the wind but it's hardly the only one to do this where you have the eccentric mentor that makes you do crazy tests and crazy exercises and the the wizard student or whoever doesn't mm-hmm. know why they're doing this but you have to trust the master and you just do it you don't ask questions you jump off the roof and i feel like that's what it's like reading house of leaves yeah where this is some wild wizard that's got some wacky <laughs> (laughs) ideas and you're like I think there's a lesson at the end of this or they're crazy but I'm gonna do it and hope for the best
0: I mean yeah I think fair and you know maybe it turns out that there really was no reason the wizard just wanted to like make you do shit because it would be funny I mean I don't know Um, I I do think it's interesting because at some point in the middle of the, the experience of reading this I was like who is this guy like I'm gonna look him up and I do think reading about his background, I'm like, oh, this explains so much <laughs> about about what this book is. So, if you guys don't know, Mark Danielewski was um, born in the 1970s to an avant-garde filmmaker, grew up in, early on in New York City, moved around the world a lot for like film shoots, learned multiple languages, went to Yale for English literature, then studied Latin. I mean, I'm like that tracks right (laughs) with what this book is
1: a little bit like when you look up the wikipedia page for donna tart you're like yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) of course he wrote (laughs) secret history (laughs)
0: like i i see where this came from (laughs) um i think the thing that really blew my mind and then i've learned since making the 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 vlog video that even goes deeper than this but his and and I told you this Lana because I was like oh my god I'm freaking out is that he has a younger sister who's known as Poe she's like a was a musician and she put out an uh, a song called Angry Johnny in 1995 this book came out in 2000 And um, Johnny is one of, you know, one of the characters in the book. And then in 2000, the same year House of Leaves came out, that apparently the whole record is kind of linked with House of Leaves, which I didn't realize. Specifically, there's a track called uh, Dear Johnny, which references like the blind man in the House of Blue, like stuff that's very deep in there. Apparently, there's also a track with her brother reading from House of Leaves and they went on tour together. Like it is, it's so wild and meta. (laughs)
1: I mean, yeah, it's, it's not obviously for a wide audience. <laughs> no, no.
0: But it's it's interesting. Okay, so I guess some some things we could talk about. Number
1: one, did you think it was scary? There was one part of it, and it was fairly early on, and mm-hmm. it made me hopeful because I was like, oh, if this is just like here it begins, and from here on out it's only going to get scarier, and then I was very disappointed because that was the only time I felt that way. But the, the very first time in the Navidson record, the Navy himself – goes kind of deep into the this like unknown mysterious space which is what this whole book is about basically that the house is bigger on the inside Mm -hmm. so there's this this cavernous dark black hole space that's in the house and it keeps changing and expanding so the first time that navy goes in there and it's kind of documenting that experience of really realizing how deep it goes and how dark it is and how it oh shit it has changed on him so he's not sure he can get back I was like oh okay that's kind of scary but then after that honestly every single time it had the potential to be a little bit suspenseful in came Johnny with his story about some girl he wanted to bang or had banged or wasn't sure because he can't trust his mind and I was like who cares
0: about this
1: (laughs) Oh man. I, well, I think I became
0: more interested in Johnny's story because I was trying to understand who he, like what he was representationally in the book. And so that made him more interesting to me and like his connection with his mom and stuff. But yeah, that's, that's fair. I didn't think it was super scary either. There were a couple of moments that were a little creepy. And I do think the book is interesting in that it's got, it it ha- puts stuff in it that I think is intended to mess with the head of the reader. Like I know there's I'm trying to remember early in the book there's a thing where Johnny has a footnote and he's like, this is how I was feeling. And if you want to know what it was like, do this look at this page and don't look away and imagine that there's something like lurking next to you, but don't look at it. And, like, I mean, it's like guess like stuff where like, if you actually like do this as a thought experiment, you're going to freak yourself out. So there's stuff like that. And these like weird meta elements that are slightly creepy, but no, I didn't think it was super scary either. I do think my experience was, I got to a point partway through where I, because I was flipping back and forth with the footnotes and therefore feeling like I wasn't making a lot of typical forward progress where I was like oh my god this book is a labyrinth I'm lost in it it's never gonna end there is no meaning what is happening (laughs) so like I had a little bit of that of it getting in my head but otherwise like I, I just didn't find it that scary
1: yeah well also I mean I guess it also depends on the type of person you are the type of reader you are sure um but I mean for me personally like for a book to scare me I have to sort of reach that point as a reader where you kind of forget that you're reading and you're in the story now and because of the very nature of it that simply would never happen it is impossible for that ever to happen when you're reading this book because it constantly interrupts itself to remind you that it is a it is a book and if I don't think that's necessarily necessary for everyone to feel chilled by a book they don't have to have this like feeling of Forgetting your reading and you're just in the story. From the reviews I saw from people who said that it did mess with their heads, they were like, well, you have to stop reading it as a book and just treat it as an experience. <laughs> and I was like, okay, yeah, no. I, I can't do I that. Mean- I think I'm inherently inherently too cynical a person to ever do anything like that. Like, I don't think hypnosis would ever work on me because I would just be too, like, eye rolling the entire
0: time. I mean, I think for me, I was really treating this more like a puzzle that I was trying to figure out. And so... The amount of work I did on this, like I haven't worked so hard at doing something since I was in grad school. It made my brain hurt.
1: (laughs) The only thing that might have inspired me to actually do that kind of research or to Mm -hmm. be keen on it or interested in it is if this book was still basically structured the way that it is, but mm-hmm. that at the core of it wasn't this made-up Navitson record, but it was something like the Blair Witch Project. Not necessarily that, because you know, the the story of Blair Witch Project doesn't lend itself to this, but something mm-hmm. like that where it is an actually existing piece of media that was maybe like this very little known snuff film or very little known art house film that yeah. is now like people are hearing about it because it's in this book, but it does really exist. And so then you could actually have. While this is a fictionalized kind of thing where mm-hmm. these layers of researching it are fictional, there's still some core of truth that this really did exist. And yeah. then to try to piece together which is true and which is speculation and where the speculation comes from, what truths that comes from. I would so do a deep dive. But yeah. Because I know that at the core of this is just a fiction invented by the author, then I have no interest in diving into that author's mind because that's the only Mm -hmm. thing you're going to be researching is what he thought was clever, what he thought he wanted to reference.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think, I think what is interesting about it is if you want to like, look at things, it does pull on real world stuff. And then I think there was an editor's note that actually referenced this later in the book, even though I had looked it up earlier but there's this whole thing of like Will Davidson won the Pulitzer Prize for this photograph and like the description of that is based on a real photograph that somebody took in the 90s of a starving girl in the Sudan and he ended up committing suicide because he felt guilty because he didn't intervene and do anything and so like that's interesting but then it's like the fact that they note it in the text I'm like So like, you know, this is a fabrication or is it not like, do we know there's evidence both ways and that's like intentional, which is annoying, but also even things like they've got these like photographs of houses and I figured out what at least one of them was and it's an actual haunted house from Williamsburg. (laughs) So it's like, like there's, I don't know, it's, it's using a mix of Real and made up stuff, and then reference, and then it's like I don't know what any of it. Okay, this is the thing. I like if I didn't know a name or didn't know a thing, I would Google it because I like random trivia and I was curious. Tell but me for,
1: you didn't Google every single name in that footnote that was just a list of names. No, okay, <laughs> that I didn't. Like but insane. I <laughs> no, I
0: didn't. There are people who have though, and you can find them on the message boards. Like there's like a list of all director. Anyway. I did not do that. However, like in the text, like there were things that I Googled and it was interesting. Sometimes it would have stuff that I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Like it would say, oh, someone met this person after World War II. And you look it up and I'm like, that person lived in the 1700s. They did not live in World War II. Like, why? What does this mean? I don't know, but it's, it's interesting. And I'm still, even after reading it, like thinking of connections and being like, oh, but I, like, I don't know how meaningful
1: it is. Well, I was gonna say so. A, some a thing that bothered me—not that I was doing any kind of deep diving—but nevertheless, every time that I spotted a typo, I hated that I couldn't ever be sure that is this a typo or is this intentionally misspelled? Oh, it's so intentional. That, it's all intentional. I mean, but no book is that <laughs> well edited.
0: So, like, no, this look, I because I I looked it up. Like, I looked stuff up. Like, there are two different p- points of view, for instance, who use the same phrase. Uh, tore her to Pisces instead of tore her to pieces, and it is intentional. And like, there's like, I anyway. There's- no,
1: I mean that was, but that, that was noted in the text. The thing you're talking about, there's a footnote right. addressing yeah. that.
0: But there's other ones too where they were f- purposefully spelled differently in the footnote versus the main text. Like,
1: but I'm not. Ta- but those, those are ones where I would notice where something like that mm-hmm. happened. But I just mean like literally just like a random. Like yeah. it's not in a footnote. No one's calling it out. It's not like mm-hmm. this word appears in two different places. It's just. For all intents and purposes, this just looks like a standard typo that you get in any fully edited book because it happens. And but yeah. I'm like, am I is it supposed to mean something? And then like because of the weird um formatting, then there were there was a page I remember distinctly where when one of the words, like it was half faded out. Um, Mm -hmm. But it wasn't like a weirdly formatted page. It was just like a normal page. Um, And I I was like, that's the thing that in any normal book, I'd be like, yeah, well, sometimes that happens when the printer is like slightly out of ink. And like, there's Mm -hmm. just one word that gets a little bit cut off. But I was like, but I don't know if that means something (laughs) in this book or if that's just do I have to buy another copy and like find that one word like, oh, no, that was just okay. The printer ran out of ink on that one. But (laughs) yeah,
0: well, and like, but people do because this is is the level of like, (laughs) same. The number of message words that exist on this stuff is a trip. I, I will admit to you, there's a there's a uh, a chapter where I probably spent like an hour looking up the <laughs> the Morse code alphabet. So that I could like figure out if there were like hidden because there's like hidden messages too in like various places through the book there's also stuff that I was like I don't have time to do this but I noticed other things and I've seen other people try to trace them so it's just layers and layers of puzzles which is I mean I mean it's impressive and I don't think you have to do all of it necessarily but like it's It is interesting.
1: Well, again, the thing about that, too, is like if I'm going to be spending hours and hours researching something, I want at the end of that to feel like I can come away and and feel like I am, to some small degree, a little bit of an expert on Mm -hmm. an actual thing. But what you've come away from that being an expert (laughs) on is... Mr. Danielewski's mind, which I have no interest in being an expert on. I see no benefit <laughs> to that. <laughs> I'm sure some people feel otherwise. But
0: uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I do wish we got more answers. Like I, I do think for the amount of work that I put into it, I'm like, okay, things didn't have to be quite
1: so open ended. Well, okay. And so another thing. Okay. So I, I have 37 books on my October TBR, which I know for you and Mara and, and some others. No, I'm that's a lot. I mean,
0: 37 is a lot. <laughs> so. Thank you. One, I to mean, me. for
1: me, it's especially a lot. Yeah. And um, it's because I mean, I, I couldn't choose. And so mm-hmm. I just put everything on it. And so a lot of it is all these books that I've just saved for October, because in my mind, they make good October reads. So mm-hmm. I've actually been just reading a bunch of I'm not an expert on thrillers like usually I read a thriller and I'm like well I'm not an expert in this genre so like I'm coming into it sort of like somebody who's never read fantasy before they won't call out something as being tropey because they don't know that that's tropey because they haven't read a bunch of fantasy so Mm -hmm. like I have like had a crash course (laughs) in what thrillers have and don't have (laughs) and what makes a good one because I've just like read so many back to back this month because I just saved them all for October so I bring Mm -hmm. that up just because like I wouldn't have necessarily I don't know, noticed this or known that I would ask this, but for for all of these thrillers, the, the thrillers that I like, I come away from it feeling like there was some kind of a point to it I use air quotes because I mean the point to fiction I mean is there a point to fiction but I mean though the ones that in my opinion aren't very good or the ones that I don't come away from feeling satisfied I come away feeling like okay but like what was the point of that so I don't it maybe I was a little bit chilled at some point maybe along the way like they did get me going oh no but at the end of it if I felt like okay but what was the point of that then I don't like it and so with with this book like I came away from it and I just It wasn't a sense of like, oh, I guess if I did a deep dive. I feel like even if I did a deep dive, I would still be like, okay, well, what was the point of that?
0: Yeah, I mean, like I do think there are themes he's exploring in it you know i mean i do think there's a lot of stuff about facing your trauma and fathers and sons and like uh, g- generational issues and like you're uh, like i guess this is a question too of what you think the labyrinth is or means because i think what i ended up landing on is that it is mostly a reflection of the internal lives and relationships of the people inhabiting the house and that well, if basically it's,
1: it's a rorschach house it's like the ink blob that's shaped. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. People look okay, at okay, it and okay. tell you what they see. Tell you what they see. Yes. Okay. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I guess I think that's the case. And I think there's there's quotes that indicate that maybe it's mostly made up of Karen's internal life, which I think is interesting. And that also, to me, explains why it goes away at the end, because they finally face their fears, face their inner demons, and, like, come away with things being better or t- different. Like so I guess I guess for me like it I I see it as a metaphor or echo of like internal secrets and trauma and like fear and things that need to get faced primarily. But also <laughs> this labyrinth that is linked with the myth of the minotaur and like I don't know what it means exactly, but I have theories about who is supposed to be representing the characters from the myth of the minotaur. So like I'm pretty sure Johnny is the Minotaur, and hmm, there's a lot of, I have a lot of evidence, if you ever watch my vlog of the video, like I have all this evidence of why I think Johnny is the Minotaur. There's a dream he has at one point late in the book with this like frat boy wielding an axe trying to kill him who I'm like, I think that's supposed to be Theseus, but then he turns into the faces of like women he's slept with. And I'm like, maybe they're supposed to be representative of Ariadne or something because she's sort of like ultimately killed him or hurt him or something. I don't know. I, so I think there's some kind of something happening but if the, there.
1: If the house is the labyrinth, he's not even in it. So
0: I think the labyrinth also exists. So I think it's supposed to be like a multi-layered thing. Like I think part of it is that he is and that his mom maybe, because like there's also things that compare the labyrinth to like the whale from Jonah and the whale story in the Bible. There's like all these references to that. And there's also like a character who goes into the labyrinth and gets seasick. And like, I'm pretty sure it's also supposed to be representative of the whale and then his mom is in the whale's toe institute so she's in the belly of the whale and anyway so I think like there's a lot of layers of like representation he's trying to do here
1: but so then you're saying that the Navitson record as a concept is the mm-hmm. labyrinth in which he's the minotaur and then the labyrinth of the actual house is a whale not the minotaur's labyrinth uh <laughs> Except for the Johnny's mom (laughs) is part of the whale thing and he's not.
0: Well, so I think Johnny's mom is connected to all of it. Cause like she, in some ways or things she says shows up through the whole book. So like, I think there's there, I I don't really totally know, but I think there's something there or that the labyrinth is like, not just one labyrinth that there's like the one in the Davidson record. And that, that one I think is, really a reflection of like the internal lives of the of the people or that that's what it's intended to be written as whether it's real or not but that also there's some connection to the concept of that with Johnny and his mom and their messy family dynamics but it's it's also using like this biblical imagery um so I don't know.
1: Like okay, but so then also in this book we have them taking like samples of the, the that and then it's like yeah. predates the earth and then where does that fit <laughs> into this theory? Uh,
0: like I just I guess I don't know cuz like I don't think it's real. Like I don't I don't I don't think the navidson record is is real. Like I think there's a lot of evidence that Wait, Zampano made real real it
1: up in the story.
0: Yeah, like I think that the Zampano made it up because there are like notes different places yeah. that suggest that he was considering other ways for the plot to go like even on the first page right like if you I notice mean, like the okay,
1: i'm sure there's people that well like you told me there's people that think that outside of the context of this book this is real but i yeah. mean in the context of this book like i think it would be really difficult to argue for the Navitson record being real given how many times the book undermines yeah. right. that idea
0: I mean, I think that's true. There are people who think it is, or who think that that this as a thing that exists aside from being a t- officially published is a real thing. Like, there's people who think that's the case. But yeah, no. So, like, from within the world of the book, I think Zampano made it up. Yeah. But that in his narration of it, that's what the the labyrinth is meant
1: to represent. But so, then, what did Zampano mean by the the lab testing of the samples?
0: I just that it's like existed for all time right like that some of its alien it predates that like there's something about whatever this echo or view of eternity means that's existed forever well and then there's the whole thing of like the very very last page of the book did you see it did you notice this
1: did I. I don't know. <laughs> I was excited to be done. I mean, there's the, so the after, promo for the familiar being. So out. the
0: page right before right, the page right before that.
1: <laughs> Not the self-promotion got it. No. Okay. Yggdrasil?
0: Yeah. So I think that this is also what the labyrinth is supposed to be. In Norse cosmology, it's an immense sacred tree. So I think yeah. the rooms are like the branches, the spiral staircase is like the trunk. And so I think there's something about, like, the labyrinth is also some kind of a physical manifestation of this cosmological thing that's existed forever. And that's probably what the dating time is for.
1: Oh, I just I mean, that wasn't say that was the only other part of the book that kind of almost was about to give me chills because of the Mm -hmm. sort of cosmic horror of stepping into your house and actually being inside of like something older than the earth. yeah like it's already scary to be in this dark black space that is Mm -hmm. going nowhere but then when you put it in the context of outer space which is so terrifyingly vast and ancient that was like oh so being in there is even scarier because you're like it's like being in outer space but in your own house yeah Um, but then yeah (laughs) plus scary when it's a symbol (laughs) i think it's a symbol (laughs) (laughs)
0: well and the reason and well and also then the reason that the aging would would get older the farther in you go is like the rings of a tree
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that that checks out yeah (laughs) that's kind of my uh but again okay but at the same time though like i came i come away from a story like that okay so so this is meant to represent like them dealing with their own trauma and it's like mm-hmm. eternal and it's eternal in all the ways. Like if we go biblical, if we go Greek, if we go right. Norse, like it's eternal and it's you dealing with your own psyche. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like I, I still come away from it feeling like what did what what did I get out of that? Like, yeah, that, I guess they went on an emotional journey, but really the book is so so focused on this like multi-layered academia treatment of it that like anytime you it does actually cool talk up. about the emotional states of the characters it borders on satire with the level of detail that of like the 10 different books that are published on the one sentence that karen said right before she looked at you know, it's I like, mean... it gets to the point where i'm like well okay, i'm not actually thinking about their emotional states i'm thinking about how oh that's so funny how you're satirizing academia <laughs> yeah yeah
0: i mean i don't i don't think you're wrong so i don't know it's like I have, like, very mixed feelings about it. I found it really interesting, and it is the sort of thing where part of me thinks in a year or two I might want to revisit it and see if I can draw more conclusions than I did the first
1: time around, maybe, but I don't know. Well, okay, so since I – the thing I enjoyed most about this is the parts where I felt that I was meant to interpret this as satire about Mm. academia, Mm -hmm. and for that reason, my favorite interpretation of this whole thing is because – It's very overtly satirizing academia in those parts, but if the entire thing the project of it is to satirize <laughs> the kind of academic who picks something apart and tries to find meaning in every little line. And I, I very much enjoy that interpretation of this whole thing, that that was the point yeah. in which case yeah. I applaud you. Daniel. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, and, and it wouldn't be the craziest thing if that were partly at least the case. I don't know. I just, it's uh it's interesting. Well, apparently there's also a theory. Some people have, I don't agree with this, but like, you know how there's this whole story near the end of the woman who has the baby with the holes in its brain and it dies. So there are people who think that the baby is Johnny and none of this ever happened.
1: I mean, I kind of thought that it was about to tell me that the baby was Johnny and then it didn't. And I was like, okay, guess not.
0: Yeah. Well, it never tells you anything, but there's people who think that like, that's what it is. And that's what this whole thing means. But that's the whole point is this book just like messes with you intentionally.
1: See, but again, like, messes with you in, like, a, wow, that messed with me, and now I feel so, like, chilled, and that was an experience, or messes with you, like, ha, you're dumb for following this up. <laughs> Which is yeah, my favorite interpretation. Right. <laughs> 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 or,
0: like, messes with you, like, ha, I'm gonna lead you down all these rabbit holes, and, like, maybe you'll never find the oh, real answer. So many like, layers
1: of meaning that you can just mm-hmm. chase your tail for eternity. Best of luck to you.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, that, yeah. I Like, I, f- I feel like that's kind of part of it i i don't know so i like it was an interesting experience it was exhausting though too i this took me several days to read where this was like almost all i did and it was a lot
1: yeah it's a lot
0: <laughs> it's a lot so did you like it i feel like that's a loaded question i mean did you like it you spent a lot
1: more time with it than i did i don't know
0: yes and no sometimes <laughs> Yeah, I did like there were things I like about it. And then there were times that I was it it was a lot and boring sometimes and repetitive. And I was like, why am I
1: doing this? But then sometimes it was satisfying. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I I ended up how out there it is and its commitment to being unapologetically this monstrosity. And again, the the no small amount of time and effort that necessarily goes into something like this. So from that standpoint, I, I can't help but sort of be in awe. But then also, I feel like, dude, what a waste of your time. What a waste of everyone else's time. Like, is it, are you punishing us because we're going to spend 10 years trying to figure out something that it took you 10 years to write and all of us have lost 10 years of our lives? Like, why? Yeah.
0: I mean, I think he, like, but I think that's what he's into because then he went on to do another similar project. Like, The Familiars apparently was originally supposed to be 27 volumes, and I think he stopped after like five or six because not enough people were buying the books, and the publisher was like, uh.
1: <laughs> I mean, that I mean, at least with House of Leaves, you know that when it's over, it may you may be just as confused when you're done as you were when you started, but it, that's it.
0: You did it, <laughs> unless you, you made go it.
1: like to the message boards and try to figure all this out. Yeah. Yeah. This is well, done and
0: done. yeah. Well, and I think what's funny too is in the book itself, it taught, it has these meta moments where it's like, after reading it, some people like were just a little affected and l- for left it behind and went on about their lives. But other people got deeper and deeper into it and had all of these and sometimes had mental breaks that had even resulted in three suicides. Like it like literally says this in mm-hmm. the text. So I'm like,
1: okay. Which I almost feel like it's like egging on the person that thinks that they're smarter for doing the deep dive as opposed to us normies who are just like, eh, whatever. And you're like, you're not crazy enough to really (laughs) see the meaning. And I'm like, I am not. You're correct about that.
0: I mean, I think it kind of is, honestly. Like, it's sort of like who it's written for ultimately in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. it's, It's an interesting one. So, you know. If you're, if that sounds interesting to you, people, try it. If it doesn't, w- watch my vlog and you'll like get a really good idea I of mean, what honestly, the experience okay, is like.
1: My favorite part of this whole book and the and the part at which I felt the most seen was mm-hmm. in the made up quotes from Stephen King and his reaction <laughs> to this. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty pretty much where I'm at, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sir. That's my reaction. to this. Oh my gosh! Yeah, this
0: book is a trip uh yeah i think that's uh i don't know if you have any final thoughts i know we're gonna move into on my radar but uh
1: house of leaves guys (laughs) i can guarantee you've never read anything like it true very
0: true it, it is I mean and, and maybe that's part of why he did it is like some people consider it a, a piece of literature you know
1: like okay oh no, but that too the yeah. the the people who are fans of it saying well this is the future of literature and I'm like god I oh, no. Not. oh no <laughs> oh no I don't
0: not. no. I mean I don't think so I do think it's interesting as like a literary piece you know like an, an example of one way to do like I think it's I I don't think this is gonna become wide though no All right, guys. Well, with that said, we are going to move on to On My Radar, where I'm going to share recent and upcoming book releases in sci-fi, fantasy, and romance that I'm excited about. Uh, The books for today's episode will be released between October 26th and November 8th, 2021. October 26th, I've got two books for you. We've got all the holiday romances coming out, so that's what I'm excited for. Liana, It's not her thing, but that's fine. I like them. We've got (laughs) Just for the Holidays by Adriana Herrera, who I love. This one is about a casting director and an actor being snowed in together at Christmas. It's a Harlequin romance. Then we've got Christmas in Rose Bend by Naima Simone. I'm reading this one right now. Actually, it's pretty fun. Nessa is a grieving ER nurse reeling from her mother's deathbed confession and spending the holidays with her teen half-sister, who she's now a guardian for, in a small town teeming with the Christmas cheer she usually avoids. But then she meets the innkeeper's ruggedly sexy son with his big boisterous family and uh you know it's 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 like a hallmark thing except we have like a a ER nurse who's like a black woman with a cool undercut hairstyle as our heroine. So that's fun. I, I like it. Like it's like a, if, if you're looking for a little more diversity in your holiday romance, it might be one to one to check out. Then November 2nd, there are two books coming out. Gilded by Marissa Meyer. She's returning to doing fairy tale retellings, which I'm excited for. This is a haunting retelling of Rumble Stiltskin looking forward to that. And then also November 2nd, we've got A Marvelous Light by Freya Marsky. This is pitched as Red, White, and Royal Blue meets Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell in a debut novel. A Marvelous Light features an Edwardian England full of magic, contracts, and conspiracies. And I I saw somebody put a quote on this saying, it's like, if you ever wanted Downton Abbey to be darker with magic... (laughs) I'm, I'm like i'm here for it i think it sounds fun um so yeah liana i don't know if you have anything to add if not that's cool all right, that is it. Thank you all for joining us for this discussion of House of Leaves. Again, this has been Chapter 3 Podcast and we are your hosts, Bethany and Leanna. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Chapter 3 Podcast. And you can also find us on YouTube and those links will be in the description if you want to check them out. The next episode is going to be available in two weeks and we are going to be back with some special guests to talk about Dune, the book and the movie. So if you want to read along or see the movie, we're super excited. So it's going to be fun. So come back in two weeks for that. This episode's bonus content will be available to patrons in the next few days. Thanks for listening.